my friend Matt. Patience. Oh, Is that a good Axel Rose? This is my friend T-Bone. Captain Studley. I He's was- here now. Charlotte, welcome aboard. It is Mac and Bone Show radio time or radio show time, whatever the hell I'm trying to say. We get this thing going here at some point, and uh, we hope you're ready to rock and roll today. The new look Hornets, the most amazingly entertaining, lovable team you've ever seen in your life. You think? No? Uh, Duke wins. Hornets win last night, so we got some hoops to talk about early on. We have Super Bowl fallout, and I believe all of America Spent the whole day yesterday discussing the overtime rules. Kyle Shanahan taking the ball. A couple of Niners players admitting they didn't even know the overtime rules, which is a slight issue. So we will get into all of that. We have some uh, Panther tidbits as well, including Peter King weighing in on Luke Keekley's Hall of Fame chances next year. We'll uh, let you know where he is ranking Luke. In next year's Hall class, it's the first year for Luke. I can't find Smitty on his rankings, though. Could not find Smitty on his Hall of Fame. Did, uh, did, do all the voters forget Steve Smith at this point? Anyway, we'll talk about that. We got some what the bleep stories to tell you and have some fun with on the show today. We got to start talking more about Panthers free agents coming up. We got a lot happening on the Mac and Bone Show. The Bone Man is here. The Flound Dog is here as we get ready to do this thing. Boney, what's going on, man? Good morning to you, Mac. The Charlotte Comfort Systems temperature right now, 49ers degrees. <laughs> I didn't, that wasn't really planned out well. 49ers degrees. 49ers degrees. Choose local. Choose Charlotte Comfort at charlottecomfortsystems.com. Mac, sure. I, have a, I have a topic for you today I threw in there. Better, or should I say deeper roster. 92 Dream Team, 2024 Hornets. <laughs> and oh, that's go. tight. That's tight, man. It really is. Oh, I would put Grant Williams on Chris Mullen. Uh, it's uh, shut him down, baby. He would shut him down. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting development that Hornets basketball in 2024 for the last two games has been very entertaining and fun. And on top of that, they've won both of these games. This is this is crazy to me. Like. I, obviously, when they made the trades, we realized, oh, they've got legit rotation players now. Guys that have been a part of rotations, unlike what the Hornets were doing, which was the Greensboro bench, you know. Um, so you noticed that. But did I expect it, Bone, to parley into two wins? And the Memphis win was one thing, right? They got a ton of guys hurt. They're kind of a mess, too. Yeah. But, like, to go back it up last night with a win over Indiana, to actually play defense, too. To hold Indiana 18 points below their average, to give Indiana more than 25 points in only one quarter, like they're actually they actually played some defense last night in addition to all the contributions from the new guys on offense. I too. mean, Halliburton only has 13. Uh, Neesmith, uh, he did have 20. Excuse me. Um, Siakam only had 18, which is below his average. How about Miles Turner, Mac? You look at his numbers. You say, oh, he had 22. Yeah, he had 11 in the first three minutes of the basketball game. He had their first 11 points. He only had 11. He, he only had 11 after that. Just the depth of the team, not just the watchability, but the depth of the team. The bench last night goes for 46 points, 
nine rebounds, nine assists. And while Miles Bridges was good, I'm not saying that. He had 20 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists. They only got 32 points out of Miller and Bridges combined, yet they won a basketball game by nine points against a team with a winning record. Last week, Mac, they're not beating anybody. Never mind beating a team with a winning record by nine points if Bridges and Miller only combined for 32 total points. There's so much more balance. Yes. Like, they had seven guys in double figures. I mean, Seth Curry. I, I uh, had a slow first night in Charlotte, but man, last night he got it going. And it wasn't just shoot from the outside. Dude was running to pick and roll, yeah. as he can do, and getting baskets off of that. I was happy for him, happy for Dell to kind of have that moment last night. Um, Grant Williams with 21. About 40. Uh, did you say the bench points? 44 bench 40, points. 46 bench points. I thought, was, I thought it was 44. 21 plus 3 is what? Oh, you're breaking it down like 24 this? Plus, I didn't know it would be math today. 24 plus 18 is 42. They actually had 45 bench points, I believe. 20, 24. What, when are you going to get to the right answer? 21 plus 3 is 44, right? 44, excuse me, 24, 24 plus 18 is 44 bench points. I had <laughs> we worked it that, through it yeah, early. That it's was 6 that o'clock was really, hour, Matt. really worth our time, though, here. Uh, I'm glad we got that out of the system. No, I'm just saying, I looked it up last night after the game because I knew it had to be a lot. Because And again, I'm telling you right now, Bone, there were times the previous Greensboro bench... Yes. They, they get you four points. It would be an accomplishment. I mean, I just I just can't say enough about the guys we were playing. They weren't ready to play in the NBA, or they just will not be playing in the NBA in two years. And these guys are, are, are a legit rotational group. Uh, the energy at that building last night, let's go Hornets chance. Fans going crazy. You would think we're in a playoff series. And that just goes to show. EC got how, revived. He's shouting us out again during EC, the broadcast. Yeah, EC said, oh, what Mac and Bo- I wonder what Mac and Bone are going to be talking about tomorrow. <laughs> um, but I'm yeah. trying to get him to drop a Prince line for Grant Williams, but we're having a little bit of a standoff right yeah, now. How, you're trying to help him trying. out. I want a purple but raindrop in there for Grant. That, that atmosphere over there, Bone, you can tell, is just like fans, if the Hornets are fun, that place is going to jump, man. People over there are dying. To, like, enjoy Hornets basketball. And I think, you know, any city's probably like this, but, you, you know, fans also like the guys that come from here. So not only they're watching new players, Mac, but there's Grant Williams and Seth Curry, especially a player with the Curry name contributing. So not only is it new players that are more fun to watch and they're healthy and they're out there and they're playing hard, they're playing defense, you got two guys from here. And I think that's going to be a big deal as well. People want to see their own do well. We've got them on a Charlotte team right now. And that goes a long way to, to fan investment, too. Definitely. They want to see their own guys, man. especially when you have the name Curry on a Charlotte team. That's going to draw eyeballs. Curry on the back of a Hornets jersey with a number 30. It's, it's like, fun. that's cool. Yeah, man. That's cool. And don't be saying out there, oh, I wish it was dead. Don't be disrespecting Seth like that, man. This is cool, and this season needed something. This season was dying a slow death. I mean, this team was unwatchable. And they got a little jolt now, and it's fun. And uh, now that we're really enjoying them, one more game, and then they got the All-Star break. Why, where was the All-Star break a week or two ago? Oh, no, yeah, I know. Now they have the break, and it's like, no, 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 keep going, man. And Although when they come back, Mac, it'll be 92-7, the search. This time for a GM. That's right. Mitch uh, moving to an advisory role, and the search has already begun. Hornets made that announcement yesterday, and I saw a couple of the insiders bone with their list of candidates. Yeah. There, was, there was a little overlap on them. Trajan Langdon and Elton Brand were two of them. They Trajan overlapped. Langdon. Yeah, yeah. They overlapped because it's Woj and Hollinger both had their list. Woj had Trajan Langdon, who's the GM in... Uh, 
New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, Brooklyn assistant GM Jeff Peterson, who's been rumored for this job for a long time. Oh, yes. uh, Cleveland GM Mike Gansey. Then, as you said, Elton Brand. Then you go to the John Hollinger list. He said league sources told him there are three leading candidates. Elton Brand, Trajan Langdon. Man, we really we get Michael out of here, and we really want to hire a Duke man, apparently. Um, and then Bulls general manager Mark Eversley, according to Hollinger, are the top three. So uh, they're going to get to work. And I guess it's actually considered like the head of basketball operations. I guess yeah, it's like that's why GMs might come here. It's you know that, and if you actually pay them. And Trajan, you know? as you said, he's the the New Orleans GM. Elton Brand is the right hand man right now for Daryl Morey. Uh, in Philadelphia. So two guys, Mac, ACC ties, Duke ties, linked to there. And also your guy, uh, as you said, Mike Gansey from the Cleveland Cavaliers, a former West Virginia player. Him and Pitsnoggle were tearing it up <laughs> back in the day would, together, man. Would Pitsnoggle be in the front office with them? <laughs> we need, I think in our lives, we need more Pitsnoggle. Pitsnoggle needs to show up to work every day if he works over there, Bone, with that w- w- wedding suit that he had. Oh, the, white, the, the white one? Yeah, that yeah. glorious wedding suit that he wore. All right, let's get to Duke. Duke looked wins. Like, kind of looked like a... Uh, if Colonel Sanders was getting married, it's one of those seven feet tall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Colonel Sanders shopped at Big and Tall for his wedding, <laughs> that's what he'd be wearing. I'd go uh, to that wedding. We got to talk about your Duke Blue Devils bone. They get a win last night. Uh, Wake was was a little scrappy and feisty. They kind of hung in there. Um, Duke continues to not shoot the three great. This has been a trend maybe the last four games or so. I love Duke when Mark Mitchell brings it when mark mitchell brings it he's a dog man he a damn more this player dan morgan can watch he's a flat out dog um he brings energy he finishes inside tremendously finishes through contact draws contact and then he starts making the energy plays he had a tip out on an offensive board then he went and got another offensive board uh he runs the floor when mark mitchell is doing dog like things bone I think Duke's a different team. I think they feed off his energy collectively. I really do. He has these 10-minute stretches where he's the best player on the floor. It's not every game. It's not every half. But we've seen it, Mac, at times. The Syracuse game was one. Georgia Tech, he had a half. Where it's like, oh, I call it shot out of a cannon, Mark Mitchell. Where all of a sudden, this dude comes out, and there's like two of them. And, that, and what that does, when he's finishing inside, you saw last night, he finished inside, then he stepped outside, shot a three like it was nothing. Didn't think about it. The form was fine. So when his game is working all together, he doesn't think about the outside shot. Now, you don't need him to shoot it, but when he's in a rhythm like that, man, why not let him fire away? I do think, though, as Jared McCain had his fourth double-double in five games, he had 17 and 10. Mitchell has his stretches. I think Roach, at the end of the game, becomes the most valuable guy he was last night making plays. Filipowski, you know, you want a little more consistency with him. He's... He's been good, not great. I think Jared McCain in this last month or so has become their most consistent player on the team. There are times he might not be the best player, but he's the most consistent. He's shooting 45% from three at Cameron, 25 on the road. But when they're in Cameron, that dude is that dude has been amazing, especially lately. He's so good, man. He's so good. Roach was real solid last night with 12 as well. Flip, got to give Flip love, put up a double-double. 21 and 10. He and Mitchell were great inside, man. I they, think they dominated inside. Efton Reed foul trouble helped he that, did. too. He did. Proctor that only played 25 minutes. I don't know if Shire said something about it in the postgame, but I don't know if he got dinged or something because he, he was not really in there as much as usual. He had zero points, and normally I'd be all over that, but I wonder if something something happened to him there because he didn't really see him as much uh, in the second half. I have to be honest about Proctor. 
you know, as good as he can be. When I watch Roach and McCain right now, now yeah. that Roach is back healthy and McCain is just, you know, he's a dude. Um, Proctor's the third best guard on this team. Uh, don't you think? Like Sometimes he might be the fourth best guard in the team. Depending on Foster's night. They both, they went 0 of 9 combined last night, Proctor and Foster. But And does it no, matter? I, I does yeah. it matter that Proctor's the third best guard on the team? Or does that bother you? Because he's got well, a year more experience than McCain. As like, I said a while ago, I think they can get away with it for now. But for them to be a contender, all parts have to be going. I think Proctor, oh, you saw it against UNC. If he was more of a factor, they would have more of a chance. He has to at least be a threat and a factor and aggressive. If he's not doing anything, it hurts the depth of the team. Now, if if he's not playing well and Foster, the way he's played this year, Mag, I, you never know in college basketball, Foster, I think, is the lead guard of the future. He's not a one-and-done player. So if Proctor is just continued to middle like this, at some point you might want to just start to play that three-guard lineup or whatever you're going to do and get Foster even more minutes. If Proctor's not going to be effective – you might as well get more out of Foster than you are. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, if he I, I ends up, saying. if he ends up being the third best guard, it's not. It's it's those two kids are balling right are. now. You know what I mean? So yep. it's not like he's the third best guard, and you and me are sharing the backcourt with him. That would be, be a, a problem. Back, great backcourt. That would be a real problem. By the way, I still think, like we said yesterday, I still wonder if Wake can get Duke in two weeks at home. And they need to. They have no quad one wins. I thought the Efton Reed foul trouble really hurt them. Plus, they were bricking a lot of threes um, in this game as well. By the way, shout out to Fernie Bone, Aaron Fern. Aaron Fern looked the Mac Curse in the eye and spit in it. He spit into Mac Curse's eye. He has become. He's nine and two in conference. Big Australian loogie. He has become the an Australian loogie as compared to just an American loogie. Obviously, he it's, has, all, it's all filled with Fosters and uh, I don't know what else they got going Foster's on. Fosters beer in the loogie. He is uh, named yesterday the uh, permanent coach of Charlotte men's basketball. Congratulations to him. The interim tag removed and well deserved. When we come back, we have a bunch of Panther tidbits and the Super Bowl fallout. The ratings are in. They are mind-boggling. You'll hear that next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Congratulations. None of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked with those guys, and we just thought it would be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, if both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least to a field goal, and if, if we did, then we thought it was in our hands after that. There you go. That's Kyle Shanahan. That's the explanation. Uh, for why they took the ball in overtime since the Super Bowl the other night. America has really gone in on the overtime. Shanny's decision there, what he should have done. Did he do anything wrong? Uh, what do analytics say? See, since the fact bone that this is ne- that we have never had these overtime rules in effect until last night or the other night, even analytics hasn't really come up with a conclusion on it yet no like you'll hear some you know some people say that they've talked to analytics people that say yeah you do want the ball first because of what shanahan said because if you both score the same thing then you're the one that has it first in sudden death but then you have other analytics folks that bring up what we were bringing up yesterday which is especially true with pat mahomes that if you're second and know what you need to do you can then use all four downs and that's a mammoth advantage 
when you use four downs. The first team not probably not going to want to use four downs, right? Right. Um, although I think you could make an argument Kyle Shanahan should have ran the ball on third down and four and then went for it on fourth down um, inside the 10 because Mahomes was waiting in the on-deck circle. But it's so new that I don't even think there's an analytics conclusion on this, Bone Man. What do you think, man? I'm sure you've heard it. I'm sure you heard the Niner players, two Niners players, admit that they didn't know the overtime rules. Um, what do you think about all of this a day later? Does Kyle Shanahan deserve to be getting filleted like he is? If the players don't know the rules and the Chiefs know every rule, that might lead to the conclusion of why Andy Reid Mack is now winning big games. Attention to detail, everything covered. And Kyle Shanahan, despite him being an offensive mastermind, might not be covering everything in detail like he needs to, right? And that might be why the end of these football games, Kyle Shanahan, something always seems to go awry in the big spots. Maybe there's something amiss there with the details. They're focused on the offense, and they should. But in these moments, it's 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 how prepared are your guys. And in these situations, the Chiefs are always prepared. They don't make a lot of mistakes late in these games, while the 49ers always seem to have something go on like you just talked Listen, about. Listen, do I think it's the coolest thing in the world that Eric Armstead and Kyle Juszczyk said in the press conferences that they didn't know the rules. No, nah, I really don't. I feel like maybe you should have lied there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because you basically told the whole world that your coach failed. Right. So I don't know if that's the greatest move. With that said, the coach failed. And maybe they were a little ticked that they went in blind, not knowing overtime rules. And then when you hear the contrast from Kansas City on how they've been going over this since training camp, um, one of the Chiefs players said. Mahomes said for the last couple of weeks in the playoffs, they have been drilled on this. They've had independent people come in and go through these rules with them over and over again to the point where Mahomes said they were tired of hearing it. Like he was like, oh my God, this again? But it just... That's it, also knowing how good you are and that you might need that in the postseason overtime. Yeah, like, you the, know, like, hey, we of all teams... We probably are going to play a close game down the stretch of overtime, a postseason game. We probably need these as much well, as anybody. once you're in the postseason, like, first of all, yeah. they did it in training camp because they're the Chiefs. Yes. I would argue that the Niners probably knew they were playing a postseason game in training camp, too, deep down inside, right? So they could have probably started it then, too. But once you get into the playoffs, the fact that you don't tell your players and the message, whether you try and the message doesn't get through, whatever, you got to make sure they know that. That is, you are a professional coach. And honestly, I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best in the game. But I do think they everybody needs to start examining the blown leads in big games and some of these decisions in big games. He went away from the run the other day. Remember how bad the play calling got in the Atlanta game with a lead too? Like he's when becoming, he was the OC? He's becoming like, Andy Reid in big games and not this version. The Eagles version. It, it, it's something's happening down the stretch here. Imagine the debate we would be having all week if they did not change the rules. We had that debate for a while before we saw this rule change. You and me and Preppy fought about it, about the possessions in overtime. Imagine, Mac, if the Niners won that toss and drove down, kicked a field goal, and Mahomes did not touch the football. Could you imagine what we're talking about all week if that was the case now? Could you imagine the song Taylor Swift would write about the overtime rules if that happened? <laughs> Holy crap, she would go scorched earth. Her ex-boyfriend's bone would have it easier than the NFL something, rules would have it. Something about I'm so over you in time. There'll be some there'll be some play on words. Oh my goodness. Um like so over now, you in time. As far as you working on it over yeah, there, you're yeah, working well, on a song for I've it. I've got songwriting credits to my name. But we don't need to do that because they fixed it. They fixed it yeah. after Kansas City Buffalo. 
you know, years ago when Josh Allen, it was Josh Allen didn't get the ball, right? Or was it? Yeah. Josh Allen didn't get the ball in overtime in that classic yes. game. And that was the impetus that got everybody going saying, change this dang rule. So here's what we have now. The other team is guaranteed a second possession. And then if they're tied after that, it's sudden death. I also found it interesting, Bone, that, Mo that Chris Jones and Pat Mahomes both said afterwards, Pat actually apologized to Andy while saying it. He said, I don't know if I'm supposed to give this away. But they, they said the plan was not only if they got the choice, they were going to uh, kick. They wanted to go second. They wanted to know what they needed to do, and they wanted to be the team working with four downs, right? Uh, but also, if, if San Francisco scored a touchdown, their first possession, and the Chiefs went back down and scored a touchdown, Mahomes and Chris Jones said the plan was to go for two. In that spot, and I don't, I don't doubt it. I, I do not doubt because they, they, they have no fear, Mac, of those moments. They have no fear of conversions of fourth downs. They've got something for everything. Uh, something out of corn dog, some Tom and Jerry formation out of corn dog, uh, probably would have won the game for them. Would probably a version of what they did with Hardman on the at the end of the game there, something like that. You think they would have beat the Niners twice on that similar play? Something of that. It worked just, twice last yeah, year against Philly. Some, something like that they've got in store, some and, other look, other side or whatever. And but. that right there is ballsy if they do that. That's all-time ballsy. That's why I think Kyle Shanahan, if you're trying to knock out the king, you got to come with the heat. And I thought Kyle Shanahan, I said a couple minutes ago, Bone, it's third and four inside the 10, right, on their first possession of overtime. I would treat that as four down territory. I would, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy for me to say now I'm not on the sideline in the Super Bowl, but just think about it. You know Mahomes is on the other side, right? So I would try to do all I can to get a dang touchdown. First of all, I would have kicked the ball away to start. Yeah. But you can run the ball there on third and four, and then whatever you need there, go for it on fourth down. Maybe you cut it to fourth and two, fourth and one, something like that. Um, because a field goal. I think Pat Mahomes, like your field goal, Pat Mahomes laughed at your field goal. Like your cute little itty-bitty field goal. What a cute little field goal. Here's a tutty. Good night. Like, so again, to beat the king, you better come with the heat. I yeah. don't think you can pansy foot around. You know what Dan Campbell would have done there? It's funny because now I wanted a Dan Campbell play caller. I wanted a guy to go for it in that situation against Mahomes. You better match the size of the cubes that the Chiefs have. You better go cube size. You better size them up because <laughs> you're not you're not gonna like you're talking about. You're not gonna win by playing conservative or conventional football. Conventional football, Mac. It often didn't beat the the Brady teams. Like you play conventional in these spots, those guys like Brady and Mahomes and others of that very few in that level. But Joe Montana. They're gonna go ahead and find a way to beat you. So if you play conservative yeah. and you don't knock them out, you don't knock them out early. The, the Niners had the Chiefs' offense against the ropes early, but you could kind of tell where it was going because they could never just throw. You don't throw the knockout punch against these guys, even when you do sometimes, like Atlanta did. Atlanta was up 28-3. to three, didn't matter. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is... They thought they knocked him out. He came back you, you, from you, the, you, off the mat. You have to at least uh, knock him out somewhat here. And they, they just never did it. That's why I said, at halftime, I was rooting for the Chiefs. At halftime, I said, "Let's all right, seven-point deficit, that's it after that half? Um, and, and part of the problem was the CMC fumble. They were driving, CMC fumbled. They also were driving again, had some penalties that put them back. They should have been up more than seven at the half. Um, although, I'm not sure it would have mattered. 
the Chiefs have come back now from double-digit deficits in every Super Bowl they have won. I mean, won. we've seen the Chiefs drive the field before with 13 seconds to go in a playoff game. So I'm not really sure how you They're never I, dead, I, man. I'm talking about knocking them out, and I'm not That's, really quite sure how you do it. They're never dead, man. But when you have a chance, you got to make the right decisions in a situation like overtime. I don't think he made the right decisions, but... I realize everybody's got an opinion. This is new territory. Like I said, the analytics folks don't all agree on what Shanahan should have done. So we'll talk about that later. We'll let more people wake up, Bone, and get their analytics brains working. All right, get some coffee in there, and uh, we'll talk about this later, this whole overtime controversy and all that sort of stuff. What about the numbers for the game? The most watched TV program, Mag, looking at my notes here. Most watched ever. Television program. Amazing. At one point, 202 million people were watching this game. It's not the overall rating, but that's the number, uh, the mass number at one point mm. in the game. The peak, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was the average number of viewers? Uh, they did a 123 in millions. And what was last year's? 115. Okay. And oh, by the way, that was a pretty good game last it year. It was. Yeah. But there, I'm trying to think. Help me work here. I yeah. know. Uh, let, me, let me workshop right, this. Right. So 8 million different view, m- new viewers for the Super Bowl, Sam Fell, same group of fans. Yep. So what could have changed this year that could have added 8 million viewers to the Super Bowl? Oh, Taylor Tony Swift. Ro- Tony Romo had the game. Taylor Swift, all you damn haters. That's what changed. There is no doubt in my mind that's the Taylor Swift effect because I live with an 11-year-old girl, my daughter Caitlin, who was dialed into the Super Bowl and would never give two craps. And again... I, I I know this is that's just an eleven year old. I know that's not a big ratings uh, get for them. But like, how many women bone are in that category? How many Swifties got into this? And and, and it changed the game. She was mammoth for the NFL, and uh, all the I, all the haters can just hate 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 hate. I'm gonna you try to I mean? see what the overtime number was. That's got that might be the two hundred two million there when it went to overtime. Mac, it's CBS most watched broadcast. Of a Super Bowl, they did 120. The CBS CBS averaged 120 million because they have they have other you know streaming platforms and other Nickelodeon. But the CBS broadcast averaged 120 million. The previous mark for CBS was 112 million, and we will not talk about what game that was on CBS in 2015. But they went up eight million from their most watched broadcast. Oh, jeez. I wish I would. I wish they had one less viewer in 2015. That pain, that pain was inflicted on me. Um, all right. Anyway, so Mammoth Super Bowl numbers. Uh, they, uh, the, uh, the fallout is the overtime stuff. Shannon's taking heat. Brock Purdy's taking heat too. Bone. A lot of people are 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 coming with the take. Even some media people in the Bay Area I saw were coming with this take that Brock Purdy's good enough to get you there, but not good enough to win it for you. Do you believe that? No, I think he almost did. <laughs> he gave him he gave him the lead down the stretch. And yeah, he's not great, but I think he's good enough to win with what they have. It that that how many people Mac win that? Uh, how many people beat Patrick Mahomes in that spot at this point? Though we can talk about Purdy or whoever from the NFC. How many people are beating the Chiefs in that spot right now where they are? Well, I think the answer is obviously zero. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if that I don't know if that is a as a as a knock on should be a knock on Purdy or do we just make it a testament to the greatness of a Chiefs always finding a way to win? Jalen Hurts had a marvelous game last year against the against the Chiefs. He yeah. didn't have his great. Purdy didn't play that good. Yeah. You know, Jalen Hurts had a, a marvelous MVP caliber game last year in the same spot. Still lost. Yeah. Yeah. Purdy didn't play that good though. 
No, he didn't. Let's no, he not didn't. get it twisted. No, 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 he did not. But Brock Purdy's a second-year quarterback. He got you to the Super Bowl. Like, are these people that are saying you can't win with Purdy trying to say they should go find another quarterback? Because you run the risk of getting a quarterback that isn't playing as well as Purdy. And here's the other thing, too. Brock Purdy's in his second year. He's going to get better. Like, he's going to improve. Again, I thought I don't they think... lost last year, people say, because Purdy got hurt in the championship. <laughs> don't they say point. Purdy didn't get hurt? They beat the Eagles. Here's the thing, too. Part of the 49ers, uh, what makes them special right now is their depth, their ability, Matt, to go out and kind of get any player they want to fit what they need because Brock Purdy's on that rookie contract. If they go out and get a bigger-name quarterback who's making all that money, the Niners are going to lose a lot of that depth and flexibility that kind of makes the Niners who they are right now. So I think it works because Purdy's no, on that rookie deal. That's a good point. It's like good. Russell Wilson in Seattle. And he ain't just on a regular rookie deal. He's on Mr. Irrelevance deal. Yes. Like, it's not like, Bone, first-round pick quarterbacks are still bargains. Imagine what this dude is. Oh. This dude is the bargain of all bargains. So I think you got to try to ride this out. I think you got to keep grooming him. I think the coach deserves more heat than the quarterback. The coach has blown four, has been involved in four blown double-digit leads in the Super Bowl or a championship game. I mean, like, he's got to internally reflect. There there is no doubt about it. So, anyway. Your guy, Hype C, who sends in just the most well-measured thought out. You're a big fan of Hype C on the text line, right, Max? Hype C's the man, dude. Taylor Swift should have kissed Tony Romo higher ratings. <laughs> Somebody like, a couple people liked your Tony Romo was the rating straw uh, comment there, Bone. Uh, multiple people say Sam Darnold should be the starting quarterback. He would have won the Super Bowl. So we've got that going on out there for slinging Sammy. God wow. bless y'all. God bless y'all, man. Uh, let's see what else is going on on the text line. Oh, I did want to mention a couple Panther things. All right, text line. We'll get back to you. A couple of thing, Panther things. I know I want to get flound to do an update because Charlotte FC had a big day yesterday. We got to give some love to, but a uh, couple of things in regards to Carolina Panthers. How about this? Peter Kingbone in his weekly column yesterday, football morning in America, um, you know, he's a hall of fame voter and he started looking forward to next year's hall of fame class. And he ranked like his top 10 in order of how he thinks they should be ranked to go into the Hall of Fame next year. Like I said, Steve Smith was nowhere to be found. Oh, nowhere to be found. They, these, guys, these guys have a one-track mind. they got to get through Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt first, apparently. They cannot multitask and think about another wide receiver. Can we just put those guys in? Please stop stressing me out about this. But listen to this. Antonio Gates won. A lot right. of people think he was snubbed this year. Vinatieri, too. And I'm, three. I'm sorry, Adam. Adam Vinatieri, too. And <laughs> three is Luke Keekley. Terrell Suggs, four. But he's got Luke Keekley three. So Peter King is going to be pushing for Luke to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's that's wonderful. He, but he's got Vinatieri over Luke at his rankings? He does. Don't focus on that. Are you you focus on oh, that? I, I respect what he did, but I, I'm that I I'm gonna write that down for my uh what I might rage about in twenty twenty five right there. I'm gonna write that down. He's got him over Terrell Suggs and everybody else too. Oh my god. So but but I I have to be honest with you. I that your takeaway is a kicker second, and I get that. My takeaway is Luke's third. I, 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 Luke Keekley's statistical achievements are very close to identical to Patrick Willis's. And Patrick Willis took four years. So I have to be honest with you, Bone. If he gets in first ballot, I'm ecstatic. You know, oh, I, no. I'm not saying I don't, I think Luke's better than Patrick Willis, but anyway, he gets in, even if he's got to chill with a kicker. 
in his class, <laughs> like I would be ecstatic, especially what's going on with Smitty. I'd be ecstatic to get Luke in there. I'm very concerned about whether or not he has to wait a little bit because he only played eight years. Um, all right, let's go to the Flound Dog with the morning feed. Flound, feed us, man. Feed us, Floundy. All right, Macker, well, this report is sponsored by Renewal by Anderson of the Carolinas. Kickstart the new year with an incredible deal. Buy one window or door and get the second for 40% off. Act now to schedule your free, no-obligation in-home consultation at freewindowassessment.com. Well, you mentioned it, Macker, a new kit on the way. It'll be the primary home kit for this season for Charlotte FC. And uh, it's it's an interesting one. They went with the gradients. Uh, it says in one description of it uh, that the, the contoured line work on it that you'll see if you actually look at the jersey a little more uh, a little more in depth is inspired by topographical maps, and it uh, has the gradients of blues representing the Blue Ridge Mountains and the Atlantic Ocean. So from the mountain to the seas. I love this kit, man. I think this kit is freaking awesome. I saw it when it got leaked a few weeks ago. I was dying to get a hold of this thing. I will be wearing this to all the matches I go to. And I like the little meaning too, because the Carolinas does offer mountains to sea, sea to mountains, which is a very cool thing about where we live. But I think this thing is bad ass. I really do. They also, Boney, look like they might be adding a player from... Uh, League Two in France as well. Um, uh, Very a, cool. A, a, uh, Jabril Diani, a defensive midfielder slash center back type. So there might actually be a signing. And Dean Smith has told us there are more. There's there's um, uh, designated player signings, at least one to come before we get to the season. The season starts in less than two weeks. This segment is sponsored by North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. NC Medicaid is for people like you. Full health care coverage at low or no cost. Doctor's visits, emergency rooms, and prescriptions. See if you qualify at medicaid.nc.gov. We come back here on the Mac and Bone Show on this Tuesday. We do a college football set. We've got some news and notes in the world of college football, including North Carolina high school NIL stuff on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Mac and Bone with you. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Uh, reality's hitting me, Bone, that football's done. <laughs> I was just well, kinda, for us, it's been gone for a while. That is true. That is true. But I was just kind of cruising on through, you know, just kind of enjoying everything. And it's just really hitting me. Thank God we got the new look exciting Charlotte Hornets because it's really hitting me. We ain't going to watch a football game for a long freaking time, man. Yeah. You know, I wanted to mention I did see a cool billboard, Mac, driving in this morning on 77. They've got Julius Peppers Hall of Fame billboards up. Nice. Congrats. It's like a gold billboard says congrats to Julius Peppers in the Hall of Fame. I thought that was pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. Uh, I can't wait till next year when Luke Keekley has one up there and then Smitty has one pretty soon as well. We need more billboards and not one for Adam Vinatieri. <laughs> uh, by the way, Pep's got a presser. It's a Zoom presser, but he will talk to the media tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. on Zoom. Awesome. So they will uh, get Pep together and let him chat about going into the Hall of Fame a little bit more. A couple of things I wanted to mention, Bone, as far as college football and the high school football. This high school football NIL stuff 
is very interesting. We hadn't really talked about it. I know Langston Wirtz has been all over it, writing about it. I've been reading everything. He's been writing in The Observer about it. You can check it out. But let's start first with a former Panther player, man that made a Super Bowl appearance as a Panther running back, who is now the head coach at his alma mater, Deshaun Fosterbone. Uh, named the UCLA head football coach. He had been an assistant there for a while. Um, and then he left, right? He left to, to go to the NFL. Yeah, he went to the and, he went to the Raiders, right, for and, like a week. And Chip Kelly decides to take the OC job at Ohio State rather than be the head coach at UCLA. And Deshaun Foster says, Raiders, I appreciate it. Mark Davis, great hair. I'll talk to you later. I got to go become the head coach of my alma mater. The so. coaching movement's crazy because Ryan Grubb just left the OC job at Bama that he took with Kalen DeBoer a couple weeks ago for Seattle Seahawks. These guys are taking jobs, Mac, and they're lasting. Oh, Bill O'Brien just went from Ohio State to BC as the head coach in about a week or that's so. That's what set off when O'Brien went to Boston College to be the head coach. That's what set off the dominoes that led to Deshaun Foster at UCLA yes. because Chip Kelly took O'Brien's spot again. Think about that. He would rather be the OC at Ohio State. I guess he felt like I'm going to the Big Ten. The schedule's going to be tougher. My job was already in jeopardy this past year. Like he could probably smell the dogs catching him. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. hunting dogs were catching him. Hates, hates you know? NIL too. He absolutely hates well, the new went, age of college well, football. Well, he went to a place they never use it at Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess Look at his running backs he has to work with. I guess now all he he does is just call ball plays, and he, and he doesn't have to like. Or he's not that just, the head coach is just, supposed just, to be involved in NIL, but you know he's focusing on one side of the ball too. So, he, so if he is involved in trying to keep guys, it's not hey I have to try to keep my entire roster. Here's I just what it focus is. on the offense. Here's what it is: he's going to the conference anyway. Would he rather be a head coach in that conference right now that is stacked, get his ass whooped, and get fired, and then have to try to figure something else out, or go to Ohio State where they have all the talent in the world, and maybe he salvages back another job out of this, yes, whether it be the SEC or the Big Ten. He's trying to save his career by going down a notch, but ultimately it might actually help I him out. I think that's what he's thinking is if I coach UCLA next year, I'm fired. Yes. Because he was very close last year to getting fired. And if I coach Ohio State, give me two years as OC with all those toys, and somebody will hire me to be a head coach again, and then I won't have the hunting dogs after me. I'll have a whole new slate. <laughs> yeah. I kind of think that's what he's thinking. Now, He was he, also Ryan Day's – was he Ryan Day's coach at New Hampshire? There's a connection there with New Hampshire. Oh, with, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay, that makes I, sense. I, I, don't makes know sense. If the tie, I know that there's a New Hampshire tie-in. I don't know if he was his direct coach or what, but I, I, definitely there is that uh, that tie-in. That makes sense. Um, so what um, – what you were saying, too, was also interesting. Ryan Grubb was the offensive coordinator in Washington last year for Kalen DeBoer. He then goes to Alabama to take the same job. And then right after they finish up with, like, signing day and stuff like that, portal, um, then amazing timing bone, he then leaves Alabama already to go be the Seattle Seahawks OC. And this is a trend that a lot of football people, a lot of college football writers are are writing about. Guys wanting to leave college football to be in the NFL. And it's thought to be a lot of what Flounder was talking about. There's all these different, first of all, recruiting, but there's all these different things that have changed the game and made it even more complex and more involved at the college level. Where if the pros, you just go coach ball. And that is appealing to a lot of college coaches now. Yeah, some of these coaches are now thinking in college football, like Halfley went to the Packers. He's thinking, man, for me to continue my coaching career, 
I just got to get away from being a head coach in college and go to the NFL, and that's my path. I could. They're trying to find Mac different paths to kind of save their career in college football teams right now. Unless you're at one of the big schools, uh, it's probably not going to end well for you at some point. By the way, Chip Kelly, Ryan Day's offensive coordinator at New Hampshire, okay. ninety-eight to one. They've had a, a very very close friendship. So that's the Ryan Day angle. Is yeah, I'm going to bring a dude that. in here that I trust. Man, I can undermine it's me. A good move. It's not going to undermine me. You wouldn't think that it's I, a great move. Dude, yeah. Although Flounder could could uh, put up forty as an OC at Ohio State. I have a feeling with the talent that they have accumulated. Um, I'm I've a pretty good feeling about that. Uh, but yeah, you watched it. I'm telling you, man, it's it's something that more and more people will write about is college coaches seeing how involved it is now with all these different non-football things. And you know most coaches just want to coach ball. Yep. You know, so that's something you got to watch. I also wanted to bring up Bone. Uh, and again, read this stuff from Langston Wirtz and the Observer. He's been covering it. So a couple of weeks ago, Bone, uh, private schools in high school here, uh, it, it was passed that private schools can have NIL money. Whatever I'm trying to say. The kids that play sports in private schools in North Carolina can receive NIL money. There it is. Um, now, apparently, Bone, people are realizing, well, that's a serious disadvantage to public schools. Like, And, and Langston wrote about this yesterday. Um, you think about it. Private schools already, Bone, that, we wondered what was going on with recruiting. That, that, that's the thing. Right? They're already well off, most they, of them. Because they don't have districts. And stuff like that. Well, now you throw in the fact if you if if private schools only were going to have NIL money and public schools don't, is that unfair to the public schools? So there's now a push, it sounds like, in government here in the state to maybe make it legal for the public school athletes. I still can't believe we're at NIL in high school, but here we are, man. Oh, my goodness. This segment is sponsored by North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. NC Medicaid is for people like you. Full health care coverage at low or no cost. Doctor's visits emergency rooms and prescriptions see if you qualify at medicaid.nc.gov we come back the panthers free agent class who are we paying and how much should they get sports radio 92.7 wfnz